Welcome back to Unless You Ask with me, Kevin Chung. With me today uh, is a product manager, couch sleeper, and extrovert, Anindo Chowdhury. Anindo, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you, man. I have been a huge fan of this pod. I've learned so much about birds, pop punk, <laughs> lobbyists. Thank your, you so uh, much. Yeah. This is this is uh you're helping uh attract new listeners to all the previous episodes uh by by mentioning that. So thank you. Also just thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> I definitely uh had you in mind from early on to to come on. It seems like a natural fit. I think a lot of people were like why hasn't Nintendo been on yet? Uh but here you are. So we we made it happen, folks. Yes, I will manage your product. I'll sleep on your couch. <laughs> I'll bring the energy. I could be yes. a drug dealer or a fun <laughs> Airbnb host. It really just depends on the day. Um, so, yes. So, for the people uh, listening who have not met you in Indo, um, how do you and I know each other? Uh, wow. I mean, this is going to go back eight years, uh, all yeah. thanks to the homie, Serena Santoni. Um, yes. Shout out that, that, to Serena. Yeah, Serena made the intro, and I, I, you know, haven't looked back. I mean, I, actually, technically, I was, I was here for your, your early radio days, you know, in college. Yes, <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah. K Dog. What was the show? There's been a few. So there, there's, there's multiple shows. I had one with Serena, um, who I'll have to have on this in a while. But I also had a show with Thomas, which might have been when you and I knew each other, who has also been on the podcast. And then I had a show with Zach Sheldon, who. Uh, spoilers is gonna be on the uh, on the next episode after yours. Ooh, <laughs> so, something to look forward to for the people who know who Zach is. Nice. No, actually, Kevin. I, one thing I want to say for the folks that don't know. I mean, when I met you, I mean, obviously you're a really funny guy and and you have great dance moves. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but when I met you, you're like, oh my god, this is like a hardcore UCSD top of his class econ student. He's so serious, <laughs> so logical. And we went to Serena's birthday party, and I, I picked you up in my 2013 Honda Civic. I'm like, yep. get in the car, let's go. And then we go, we're, we're chatting about music or whatever, and then we show up a little early. And do you, do you remember what you told me? Oh, yeah. So, so we get to Serena's house. She's not there yet. So I'm like, I don't know if we should go in. I'm a little nervous to go, in, go into this house because Serena's dad is uh, – is uh he's he's just made some comments about my choice in shoes <laughs> yeah, yeah papa santoni i can't do him but robert he from your intimation he more or less said your shoes are trash <laughs> and <laughs> i was we can't go in yeah i i mean you're a fearless guy so once i saw fear in you i i also was fearful so <laughs> yeah that sort of bonded us together uh all all those years ago and now now we're here <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, yes. So, Anindo, um, you know, we've covered a large range of topics on Unless You Ask. I really ask uh, people to bring something that they're interested in. And you and I have had many, uh, many discussions about many topics over the years, uh, right. <laughs> some, some more controversial than others. Um, so without, without <laughs> any further ado, what is your topic for today's podcast? The topic I'm bringing to the people is the California gubernatorial recall election of 2021. So timely. The most topical, yes. one of the most topical uh, topics we've had so far. So normally, to a little peek behind the curtain, I typically record in like much bigger batches so they don't get released that close to when we record. This is getting released, you know, like five days from now. So this information is hot. <laughs> This is yes. some fresh some fresh takes. Yes, the California gubernatorial recall. So both Anindo and I uh, used to live in California. We're not there now, but the politics of California still affect us in many ways. Is that how you feel as well? Uh, I am every day following California politics. I have an addiction. I can't let <laughs> it out. Yes. Um, okay, so before we get too deep into the gubernatorial recall, just to give people some background um, and, and you know, let people know what, what to expect when we talk about this. Can you give like 
kind of a general high level view of some of your political uh stances yeah um i guess the highest level i feel i'm socially progressive and economically you know liberal or moderate so i do identify as a democrat and i voted for obama uh clinton and biden and i'm fairly invested in democratic politics um i, I canvass for democratic candidates um in new york in california and like sacramento and like 100 degree heat. I probably shouldn't have done that, but uh, the, 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 the candidate I was walking for, he lost the first time, and then he, I did it again, and he won, so maybe it was worth it. The difference um, maker, yeah. Yes. Pound on the pavement. So that, that's like my <laughs> high-level stance. Yes. Um, so I think that that's uh, an important backdrop, and you know, to, to even the playing field, I, I align myself pretty similarly as to what Anindo described. Um, definitely lean more towards like progressive politicians. Uh, but, uh, with that being said, um, can you, for people who aren't super familiar with the gubernatorial recall in California, which is your topic, can you give just like a little bit of background about what recall elections are or like how, how they maybe come about and then what, what specifically is going on, uh, this year in California? Yeah, so a recall is essentially a group of people saying, we don't like this politician and we want to throw them out before the end of their term. Um, mm -hmm. And procedurally, it's baked into the California Constitution. So essentially, you file a petition with the Secretary of State to recall a state official, um, and then you need enough signatures from voters to trigger that recall. And then the threshold is somewhere between 12 and 20% of votes cast in the last election for that office, depending on which office it is. Um, so there's been over like 50 recall attempts for governors in California history. Every governor has had multiple recall attempts against them. But uh, before Newsom, there was only one attempt that actually qualified to get on the ballot, and that was in 2003, and that's when Ani was elected. <laughs> yes. So I, I vaguely, vaguely remember this. I, I was very young at the time, so I probably would not have uh, been too in touch. But I, I barely remember people talking like they're trying to recall the governor. So, <laughs> stuff like that. I would terminate Gray Davis, these puny Democrats. <laughs> Get in the chopper. We're going to Sacramento. <laughs> you cannot recall me. Um, yes. <laughs> So relatively uh, historic moment then right now that this is, uh, you know, a rare thing that's happening. And uh, do you know, besides like this gubernatorial recall, is this something that's like widespread across the United States? Is this something that like uh, varies a lot state by state, this like process? Or is it, uh, is it something that like m many people are familiar or have a bit available to them, but are maybe a little less familiar with because it's so rare that it actually works. I'm not sure about the rules of each state, and they are varied because mm -hmm. you know, the U.S. is sort of in a federalist system where states have a lot of power to make their own rules. But I, what I do know is that there's this will only be the fourth actual recall election uh, for a governor in the U.S. And so the, the last one was for a California governor. The other two, I don't know who, who they were and which got states it, they got it. were. Yeah. So very rare. <laughs> totally. Um, so, so yes, do you, so that, that brings us to this specific, uh, recall and, uh, do you know what the motivation is behind this recall and also maybe like how, how was it able to get this many signatures or like what made it so it got past the, the threshold that's been too high normally? Yeah. So, I mean, I would start with, I think what where recalls happen in California, it's more or less when people feel that a politician is like messing with their lives too much. So when Davis was recalled, it was, I, I moved to California. I was a carpetbagger. I wasn't from there. I moved there 2002 and that's when the recall was already sort of underway. And that was when California was going through like rolling blackouts. So people were out of power and in retrospect, a lot of that was because of Enron manipulating the energy markets. 
Um, but on top of that, you had a California starting to get in a budget crisis. They were making cuts. And to fill the gap, they raised the uh, car registration by like 100 bucks. So mm. I, I feel like, yeah, my car just expired. It's registered. I feel like I should re-register <laughs> in New York now. But thanks to Gray Davis. Um, <laughs> You're outing yourself. Hopefully uh, <laughs> this doesn't go on your permanent record. By the time this is released, let's just say Anindo's registration is... In yeah, good shape. <laughs> I I walked into the Cuomo DMV and and got it re-registered, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah. So they call it the car tax. It's the rolling blackouts. Gray Davis is you know messing with your life, and then it, mm-hmm. it develops steam. And I think that's more or less the same trend you're seeing right now. Is there's a laundry list of issues that people are really upset about, and they're blaming Newsom for it. So. There's the outrage over COVID restrictions that have happened, the mm-hmm. mounting homelessness crisis, rising crime, a lot of like unemployment fraud happening in the states. Um, kind of uh, basically Department of Labor is called the EDD in California. So I think those things are like the underlying issues. But really, um, where it came to bear, I think, was from a dinner at the French Laundry. Um, yes. Last November in uh, Napa Valley. Yes, this is uh, an infamous incident if you're from California or or pay attention to California politics. Um, but I'll I'll let you explain what the French Laundry is. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, it's like a very expensive, one of the most expensive restaurants in the country is a Michelin star uh, restaurant, and at that point in November. Newsom was telling everyone to stay at home, stay safe, shelter in place. Meanwhile, he goes, you know, unmasked uh, to uh, a restaurant while like dining indoors. And uh, someone had took a picture of him. And it turns out he was actually at a birthday party for a lobbyist friend of his. Uh, And so that came out and it just made a huge splash because like everyone's at home, can't do anything. And they see the governor... uh, basically evading his own rules yep yep yeah huge backlash uh i don't know who took that picture but i uh hope hope they're safe yeah Uh, yeah and the thing is so this that that ballot they or the petition that they had to recall him it was kind of gaining some steam but not really and then once that event happened it just shot through the roof and they collected like double the signatures in half the time that they had. And they even had like 300,000 Democrats sign on to petition to recall Newsom. So I think they, the idea is that you have Newsom, seemingly this elitist governor, cozying up to his lobbyist pals at a fancy restaurant while the rest of the state's suffering. And so that then tied in. I think a lot of times politics is more than policy issues or a set of problems, but it's a narrative. And that tied into the narrative of everything else restrictions the crises that were happening and he was just sort of aloof and evading his own rules you know yes so um that that all happened back in november so how long has this recall been coming i guess because the recall election i believe is uh september 14th is that right yep exactly and and obviously uh for anyone who knows people in California and uses like social media, you've probably seen people blasting out about like, you got to know about this recall election. So has this like, has it been locked in since like November, basically it's been like six months. Um, November it was gaining steam, but I don't think the, it was actually certified until March. So the, okay. They needed like somewhere around 1.4, 1.5 million signatures, and they mm-hmm. gathered about like two, 2.1 million by March, and and that's when the next month in April, the Secretary of State certified the petition, and the recall was set forth. Got it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, so that's how we uh, how we got here. Uh, so now that there's a recall happening, kind of off election cycle. You know, people are breathing a sigh of relief uh, because this like political uh, news kind of dominance of 
Trump is kind of letting letting a little bit letting us breathe a little bit from that, getting giving us a little relief in March. So they, no one, no one across the country is really paying attention to, uh, this small recall election. And then, you know, the summer passes, people are having a little bit more fun. They're They're like having uh, a little more confidence to do things with each other. And then, uh, everyone's sounding the alarms like, Oh wait, we have to care about politics again. Everyone needs to go, uh, vote in this recall election. And, uh, and a lot of people, at least that I've seen are, uh, very scared about Gavin Newsom being recalled. Um, so what is your, uh, position on that? <laughs> I think I have a contrarian take on Newsom, uh, compared to most of my friends and that's why I'm on the pod so they can yes. hear me out on this. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 this yes. is the liberal case against Newsom. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, I, I think my main reasons against Newsom, like high level, I really think he did, uh, a grave, you know, a terrible job mishandling the vaccine distribution. That's number one. Um, number two is on schools. Um, number three, I think there's a lot of cronyism, uh, it, the way Newsom, uh, carries himself as governor. And then lastly, I think this kind of ties them all together. I think it's just an utter failure of leadership. And I think that we need a new governor, um, in Sacramento. Okay. So I'm excited to dive into each of those, uh, reasons with you. Um, but before we do that, um, who are the other potential candidates, uh, in this recall election besides Gavin Newsom is, I'm not sure how it works, like how you even get on this ballot, but, um, yeah, um, you you don't need very many signatures to become a candidate. I don't know the, the specific number, um, mm-hmm. but it's not much. So you have 46 candidates this time. Got it. That's, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, California <laughs> ballots are all like already super long. There's so many props. So maybe voters won't yeah. really tell. But um, that stands in contrast to the field last time, which was 135 that ran okay. to replace Davis. And you don't mm-hmm. have as many of the bizarro ones in the last recall. So you had like mm-hmm. Arnie, and then you had like Ariana Huffington from you know the Huffington Post. You had like Gary Oldman. You had an adult film actress. You even had a UCSD student. Um, <laughs> and uh, he actually, his name was Kevin, I think. I don't know his last name. <laughs> it, um, wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't you. Fearless Kevin Chung. Um <laughs> And actually, I think he ended up getting like sixth place, which wasn't bad. And he was like a single voter, single issue candidate. Wow. It was like reduce the fees at the UC, CSU, and community college, which like <laughs> didn't end up not didn't end up happening really. And he had like a yeah. bunch of D-lister celebs. So this time, you still have some like oddballs, but there's less of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one from uh, Olympic Olympic and Kardashian fame, you have Caitlyn Jenner. Um, yes. So yeah, transgender reality TV personality. And then number two, you have a, a black conservative talk show host. You see him on Fox News a lot. His name is Larry Elder. And he's actually leading in some polls for the alternate candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, another one you have is John Cox. Um, and he's like a San Diego businessman. He's lost to Newsom on the last election. He's ran before and just continues to lose. And so now mm-hmm. his like, campaign effort is to campaign with like a caged grizzly bear which (laughs) makes no sense why are you caging our state animal obviously represents what gavin newsom is doing to the state (laughs) he's he's if elected he would uncage the grizzly i i don't know anything about this guy but i that's clear as day (laughs) oh really i thought he was trying to go for the salmon vote i had no idea (laughs) yeah maybe you're right the Delta smelt is is uh, <laughs> voting with their with their gills. Oh my God! <laughs> uh, so you have John Cox, you have Doug Osi, who I call Republican classic. He's just like a really vanilla, <laughs> boring white guy. He's actually a former congressman representing Sacramento. Um, he hmm. lost actually to a candidate that I walked for multiple times, um, but he's since 
turn more to the right, I think, to gain sort of the, the Trump votes. Mm -hmm. So he's uh, sort of like a sideshow now. Um, fun fact, actually, he did visit my high school uh, before mm -hmm. I was there. Um, uh, and so like, my biology teacher had something to say about him, said he was like cool at that time. In fact, Alex Honnold was also at my high school at that point in time. So shouts out to the free climbers of the world. Yeah. Who, you know, as far as I understand, is an avid listener. <laughs> Shout out to Alex. That's right. He's he's tuning in from from uh, El Cap. And from the top, the yeah. <laughs> um, um, there's two more candidates that are, I think, semi-relevant. You have Kevin yes. Kiley, who is a Republican, like an up-and-coming assembly member from Sacramento area as well. He's kind of comes from a, a Ivy League background. He's very brainy. Uh, but I think mm -hmm. he's almost like too smart for his own good and like pretty far right and kind of a Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, Josh, kind of Harley, Harley kind of way. So there's him. And then mm -hmm. the last one is former mayor of San Diego, Kevin Faulkner, who is uh, running as and is a, a moderate Republican. Got it. So a laundry list of people. Um, I don't know Caitlyn Jenner's politics, but everybody else sounds Republican. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, what I want to do is we'll go to a very brief break. And then when you come back, uh, I want to know, you know, why you're, uh, you're in support of, uh, you know, maybe getting rid of Gavin Newsom, <laughs> uh, when this field of candidates feels very scary, <laughs> You know, Kevin, after the break, my opinion might change. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, after making, forcing you to give me that list. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to pin you down. We're going to find out what Anindo's opinion is after the break. So great. <laughs> we'll All see right. You in a sec. break um we just heard all of the potential alternatives to gavin newsom uh so now i would love to return to uh some of the reasons why you don't approve of some of the ways that he's governed as governor so why don't we start with the your first point which is the vaccine rollout yes so i think the u.s generally had a slow rollout uh when the vaccines were approved uh, before the beginning of the year. Um, and then mm -hmm. slowly, but then suddenly, California started getting a ton of Pfizer and Moderna virus, uh, not viruses, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, not, not spreading mi misinformation here, uh, but the vaccines. And so we had these priority rules, right? There was like 1A, healthcare workers, and mm -hmm. then 1B, which were um, you know, teachers, uh, childcare providers like my mom, and grocery workers or delivery drivers, and then the rest of the rules sort of don't matter because we never ended up going going to follow that entire priority list. Um, mm -hmm. And essentially, in March, we were sitting on millions of doses and surplus that could potentially expire because they had to be stored in super cool temperatures. So. Mm -hmm. We were still, in, so not we, but Newsom was still enforcing these priority rules, even though there weren't sufficient number of people to get the vaccine to meet the supplies. The demand wasn't there. And a lot of people at that time were calling on Newsom to expand it for more tiers. And he just waited for months. And mm -hmm. I think someone can say, well, Anindo, you're just, you know, looking at this in retrospect. Uh, but at the time, you know, there were other countries such as Israel that had expanded it rapidly to everyone after initially providing it to healthcare workers only. So I think that really set California behind. And now we, we are at the position where we are, where we're thinking about you know, putting in restrictions again, mass mandates, potentially lockdowns. Uh, and so I think uh, if he did the right thing then, which people were telling him to do, uh, you know, California wouldn't be in the position that we are today. Got it. Um, so yeah, I, 
I agree that the uh, the vaccine rollout was uh, was definitely slow. I wasn't super aware of how it went in California specifically, um, but I will say that the availability of vaccines now at the time of the recall election feels uh, wide. <laughs> so, yes. do you anticipate? Yeah, do you anticipate there being similar issues? Let's say that California has to. Uh, get a boost like people are eligible to get booster shots they get a third shot of moderna pfizer do you anticipate there being similar rollout issues now or is it something that's mute because of the availability that there's been up to this point i think for the folks that have already gotten fully vaccinated or at least a single dose i think they'll go and i think california will um you know provide those vaccines for them I think the real issue is for those folks that are vaccine hesitant. And at the time, back in March, when people were vaccinated and the science showed that you could resume normal life, they still had folks following a lot of these restrictions, which I think to the people that are hesitant is not really an incentive to get the vaccine, right? It's like if you are fully vaccinated and you can't live your normal life, like that is the biggest anti-vax message to send, you know, let alone for many of those you know, far right uh, or even far left, you know, conspiracy sites. I think that's a complete mishandling. So I, I don't trust that the governor can make the right message to get more people vaccinated. And I actually think a Republican governor could be really compelling uh, and get folks that are usually lean Republican that might not want to get the vaccine. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll put a, we'll let that uh, live in the air for a moment and maybe come back to it. Uh, but let's move on to the second piece, which is, I think, schools. Um, what's what's your beef with Mr. Newsom over schools? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think schools should have reopened um, much earlier. New York schools did reopen in person um, and. In, in Israel, they opened and, and they didn't have these problems with transmission. And I think, you know, Governor Newsom will say with lip service, he wants to reopen schools, but you don't see that in action. Mm-hmm. So I think what's really going on is he is beholden to the California teacher teachers union. And, you know, through their lobbying efforts, he gave them very high priority. So teachers were more or less first in line to get the vaccine after healthcare workers. And now the teachers unions are saying, well, we shouldn't get our teachers back to school. But there's no evidence uh, in public health research that shows that schools are a, a, a big mode of transmission. And you see this in other places. So I think that Newsom is probably not going to reopen schools this fall. And I think that's going to be a huge detriment to a, a generation of students. Like We don't even know what the full impact of this is going to be in terms of socialization, educational attainment. Um, and so I think, again, a, a different governor would have a different position on schools. And I think the underlying thread is that he is so beholden to special interests that he will not do the right thing, even when he knows what the right thing is to do. So the the main thing about this to kind of make sure I understand is just that he receives some support from teachers unions in return for him uh, complying with things that they want uh, out of his policies. So right. a different governor would not necessarily have to listen to the teachers union because they already don't receive any support from them. Right. Or a, 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 a governor would understand that teachers are public sector workers, police, firefighters, state workers are all having to go back to the beat or the station or the office so what makes teachers any different, really? And actually less risk because you know, children are less likely to catch COVID or have a serious condition uh, than, than an adult interfacing with like, other adults. So I, I just think that you know, it's a complete miss on, on Newsom's part not reopening schools. And it has more to do with his political interests and perception than what a rational policymaker would do. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, def- definitely some uh, contrary opinions to that that I at least have heard as well. But we'll come back to that at the end. Sure. 
<laughs> I want to make sure that you uh, are able to express all, all four of your points. And admittedly, uh, I only remembered the first two. So, so fair what, enough. What is, what is the other, your third reason why you have beef with Gavin Newsom? Yeah. So the th I think the third reason is really like it comes down to cronyism. So he's yeah. given over a quarter billion dollars in no bid contracts and mostly to his political donors. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield has donated tens of thousands to his campaign, as well as Optum, another healthcare company. And it's led to lack, lackluster results. For Blue Cross, he, he set them up to do uh, kind of vaccine uh, distribution with the priority rules. And Optum, it was more or less the, the same. And you know, he's received tons of money from them. And it's just, uh, you know, it's you can't really say quid pro quo because there, in these kinds of deals, you never really have that kind of evidence where people are going to put that in writing. But it's not something that it just has a bad smell. And I think it, it connects a bit to how he's mishandled the vaccine distribution and schools, where he's more concerned about his perception and feeding his base um, than it is about doing the right thing, right? And so um, he wanted to appear to be like this equitable governor, so he sent out these priority rules, even when it didn't make sense at the time when you had you know, supply outstripped demand. The pandemic is functionally over um, if you have herd immunity through natural immunity inoculations. So it, it, in the event where, you know, it doesn't quite matter who you are, what your background is, if you have 90% of the population vaccinated, then you've drastically reduced um, future cases of COVID and you've like saved the health system from collapsing. So... Mm -hmm. I think that's that's the main thing is is, is the cronyism uh, and that connects me to like his I think lack of leadership uh, on on those issues. He like I just don't think he's able to do the right thing, and if that means saying no to his big political donors, um, then I don't think he can do that. Um, mm -hmm. And that is stands in contrast. And I should report my bias. I'm a huge fan of Jerry Brown, former yes. governor of California. <laughs> so yes. Jerry Brown and Newsom, they don't really have, they didn't really have a great relationship. Newsom was lieutenant governor at the time, and Newsom tended to abscond a lot of Brown's efforts. Uh, I think the one that probably matters the most um, now is Prop 30, which was the tax increase to fund education as well as the the California government. Um, because of Arnie, we were in a $20 billion wall of debt, as mm -hmm. Brown described it. And so California had a poor credit rating. It couldn't pay its, its, you know, its teachers, its workers. It couldn't fund social programs. So at that yes. time, Newsom was actually against Prop 30, and he was trying to do his own alternative proposition, which failed. And then there was a windfall after Prop 30 passed where California was able to pay back its debts and actually get to a budget surplus. And Democrats at that point, in 2011, we Democrats had a supermajority in the state legislature. And Democrats were salivating. We have all this new money. Let's just spend it all. And yeah. uh, Brown, you know, for his, his, his bumps, he's a bit of a kind of esoteric and ascetic kind of austere person. Uh, and he was like, no way, like California's budget is like super volatile and, and so are our revenues. So we should put this in a rainy day fund. And Newsom was one of the biggest advocates for not having a rainy day fund and instead spending all that money. And now you look, you know, eight years after that, California, because of Brown's um, rainy day fund and prop 30 which newsom was both against came into the pandemic with actually a 75 billion dollar surplus and then another 25 it got from the feds um so the the accomplishments that newsom now credits himself to are things that were popularly opposed and he was the backer of so i think that kind of draws the line you have a leader like jerry brown who can do the right thing say no to his own party even if it's unpopular but he has the foresight to make the right decision. 
uh, at the right time. And I just don't see Newsom doing that. And, and it connects to the vaccine distribution, the schools, and, and the cronyism. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm off before... my soapbox, Kevin. That was my soapbox. <laughs> uh, you sure? That was. <laughs> you can get back on at any time. Um, that's the point of the podcast. But yes. Okay. So uh, I've talked to you about parts of this before. So uh, I I am convinced by, first of all, thank you for sharing uh, exactly how you uh, came to these conclusions. I uh, respect you a lot as a friend and also as someone whose political opinions are well-informed. And, uh, and that's why you're here and why I want to talk to you about this. So I'll pre- start with that. <laughs> um, yes. And, and yes, and I think that the the points about Jerry Brown and, uh, and and Newsom especially are things that a lot of people don't know about and that, you know, when people think about how Newsom handled the pandemic generally, uh, maybe besides the current like lockdown fatigue and um, vaccine distribution stuff, like earlier on, uh, I think people credited him for handling it well when a lot of that had to do with exactly what you're talking about, which is having enough money to uh, help support hospitals and things that, you know, money that he didn't necessarily advocate for having in the first place. So agree with you fully there. That being said, I I think uh, on the issues of vaccine distribution and, uh, and schools, um, the opinion of the, the teachers union is something that regardless of whether you are, um, receiving money from them or not, uh, is probably something that should be taken into account when deciding on policies that affect teachers and students. Um, and on that point specifically, uh, having known parents that are, you know, parents of children who are not vaccinated because they're too young, um, the thoughts of sending those kids to school, uh, in person is, uh, treacherous to those parents. So regardless of what the science says, I, I do think that uh, sending kids back into school during a high period of Delta variancy where people are a little unsure about what it might do to their kids uh, feels feels tense at the very least. It doesn't feel cut and dry to me. Now, uh, I, I think you're right, Kevin. I, I think this argument that I'm making is probably most salient back in you know April and May mm-hmm, towards mm-hmm. like the end of the semester, the trimester, whatever system that they were on. But I think, yeah, at this point, it, there are more questions to, to, to raise with the Delta variant. Um, and I, I, I think that uh, a responsible governor will look at those questions and consult the right people to make the decision. So I, I'm not exactly sure what should happen this fall, I, but I, I do think that if we did the things right, we may not be having the same conversation. Yeah. And yeah. so... For the future, I hope we have a responsible governor that can do the right thing. 100%. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and then I guess the other question or thing that I would point out is, you know, uh, all the points you raised about Gavin Newsom, I think, are salient. But there's th- this comes back to kind of a, a theme in the Democratic Party of, you know, if if uh, he he's basically positioned himself in this recall election is like, if you uh, don't vote for me in the recall, the alternative is basically like Donald Trump 2.0 in Larry Elder or, you know, whoever, whatever Republican there, the, the Democrats have basically painted all of the Republican party as like uh, Donald Trump is, which, you know, maybe is fair. Maybe it's not, but, Basically, the problem is there's no alternative uh, on the Democratic side to Newsom. Like, you gave that list of candidates. None of them, uh, with the possible exception of Caitlyn Jenner, I don't know, uh, are are Democrats. So is the way that this works, uh, basically on the Democratic side, that they would never support a recall because they uh, want the incumbent to just stay there? Yeah, I think you're right. Um I think there's like two things there. So number one, I think the Democrats pulled a really cynical move by not offering an alternative candidate uh, to do some. Like you and I, we both took game theory in college, right? Yeah. I mean, this is not a uh, a Nash equilibrium that you want. Like in the event that 
Newsom uh, can fight back the recall, great. You have a Democrat in office. But if he loses, then you don't. I mean, you're shooting yourself in the foot. They needed to provide an alternate candidate. But because Newsom has such a uh, a sort of – he's effectively the leader of the California Democratic Party – he has brought together the major heads of the Democratic Party from, you know, Feinstein to Pelosi to Kamala Harris and said, you know, we're not going to provide an alternative because we want to double down on me. And yes. he's raised a, a lot more on that issue, like th- over 30 million. The other candidates, most of them have either self-funded or like raised less, a lot less than that, like orders of magnitude less than that. Um, so I think that's a super cynical move. And the way, if, if you talk to a, a Democratic strategist, what they'll tell you is, well, back in 2002, 2003, with the Davis recall, we did have an alternate candidate in Cruz Bustamante, who was uh, the lieutenant governor at the time. And uh, Cruz got the second most votes of the alternate candidates. But the first was Arnie. So mm-hmm. they're like, well, they pointed out and said, you can't do an alternate candidate. But what I would say to them is you did not run Davis and uh, and Cruz on the same platform. Gray Davis was super against having Cruz as an alternate candidate. And so Cruz ran a very confusing campaign, and so did Davis, and there was huge confusion. But you could have had Newsom hand-in-hand, you know, Newsom and some other Democrat, uh, some major you know, Democrat in California – and say, we're running together, vote no on the recall, and vote for X person um, on the alternate candidates. Because those two questions are not um, mutually exclusive, like they're, or they are, like they're independent of each other. You can vote yes on mm-hmm. keeping Gavin, but then voting for an alternate candidate as well. So I think Interesting. it was a really super, uh, cynical move. Um, Jenner is, by the way, uh, a Republican, uh, a yeah, Trump supporter. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, not not much better for the list. But I, I do think there is at least one moderate Republican that I would vote for if I was uh, still registered in California. Oh, interesting. All right. Yes, because that's that's kind of the position that I think people find themselves in, like with this recall. They, they don't have time to kind of question what Gavin Newsom's doing. They uh, are forced to kind of defend against this horrible alternative that we all fear, which is and completely open, you know, Florida or Texas style, California. California unleashed. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, that that's where I think a lot of the motivation for the recall voting in the recall election for Newsom comes from. It doesn't come from genuine support of Gavin Newsom. It comes from, yeah, the, the fear of the alternative, which is becoming the Democratic Party's whole thing, I think. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. Like, so Newsom had actually a lot of excitement and popularity, probably because he looks like a Ken doll. And <laughs> probably. And uh, I remember when UCSC, because I was also involved in politics there, and he he visited campus, and like everyone went nuts over Newsom in uh, at Price Center. They were trying to get pictures with him. He's had a celebrity <laughs> yeah. appeal. But like these days, honestly, most people are kind of meh about Newsom. So he had to go with the cynical move of making it about a, a, a California as is or a Trumpian California. And, right. you know, he th- these campaigns, they think about what's the message, how do we want to send it, let's poll test it, um, right. let's get focus groups. So they, they test these messages, and they, they did that for a reason. You know, it wasn't just um, something that they decided. They, they did it um, strategically. And I, I think that was a, a probably the best calculus for Newsom because he's not really that popular. People are kind of meh on him. Um, and so there is this enthusiasm gap, and they think they can energize Democrats by saying, you know, Trump's going to come back into power if any of these Republicans um, are in office. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, bite the bullet, vote for our, you know, the Democratic Party's favorite uh, person, whoever that is. It's the same thing at the national level. So totally. Yeah. Lots of patterns there, but um, but yeah, it's definitely worth uh, worth considering as you go to vote september 14th i believe is the recall election if you live in california i would encourage you always to vote and especially in this recall election uh an indo might have you support a moderate democrat but uh i would personally vote for newsom still <laughs> uh, Kev, Kev, Kevin, sorry a so moderate a moderate republican i mean 
Yeah, I, I, I Kevin, I'll give you the the pitch for the moderate, and you you can still okay, support okay. Newsom. Please. Okay. Yes. So what I'll say is what Newsom is saying is vote uh, no on the recall, and then just leave the second question blank. Don't mm-hmm. do that. It's worth checking a bubble. You know, you learn this in school. Just right. guess on the test. Just guess. Okay. But don't <laughs> yes, guess because yes. it's kind of dangerous. So yes. here's my here's my pitch. Vote for the moderate Kevin Faulkner, and I'll mm-hmm. give you my breakdown for why he would be uh, a good governor. Okay. So mm-hmm. on the issues, pandemic response, he's severely pro-vaccine. He stood up like Petco Park and all these places in San Diego. And when San Diego actually had a hepatitis outbreak back when I was living there, and it mainly occurred in Hillcrest and among like the LGBTQ and home uh, people experience homeless, uh, those communities. And he was like really proactive in stamping out the hepatitis outbreak. So I think he would be really good at any sort of pandemic response. Um, mm-hmm. On schools, he will require teachers to either get vaccinated or get tested. And he'll give control for the, each school district to figure out their situation around mass mandates on a back-to-school basis. Um, and then when it comes to, like, homelessness and like, crime and all these types of things, while all that was, like, rising in, in San Francisco and L.A., even in Sacramento, um, in San Diego, it was, it was the exact opposite. So he, you know, didn't have all those tent encampments that they were popping up. He allowed... Uh, people that were homeless to, you know, go into the San Diego Convention Center while it was closed. So he did actually a really good job um, on the homelessness and, and, and crime issue. Um, and I think, uh, you know, on, on jobs, he was also pretty good where, you know, the state was like bleeding a lot of jobs. In San Diego, there, you saw a lot of job growth outside of just, you know, biology and defense, but into more tourism and like other kind of sectors. So I think he'd be pretty good for the economy. And I think he'd be able to balance San Diego is able to reopen um, without having those astronomical um, case rates that you had in, in L.A. and, and uh, in other parts of the state. So I think he's going to be good on those kind of kitchen table issues. But mm-hmm. really where I think is interesting is he's actually a super bipartisan mayor. Um, mm. And so for context, California is a majority Democrat city. It's like only like a quarter Republican. And the city council was completely Democrat. Democrat controlled. And one of the heads of the state legislature, the Senate pro tem, Tony Atkins, she is a, a Democrat from San Diego. So he's worked with all of them and he passed legislation and advanced the city with partnering with, you know, while partnering with Democrats. So I think he could do the same thing um, as a Republican governor. And by the way, the California legislature has a Democratic supermajority. So if they wanted to, you know, uh, buck you know, back against the governor, they absolutely can, and they have enough votes mm-hmm. to do so. So there will be a check on a Republican mm-hmm. governor's power. So I think even if you want to vote yes on Newsom, you should, as a safety measure, mm-hmm. vote for Kevin Faulkner on that second question. Got it. Great. That is good to know, Anindo, and I think something that people probably have missed. So if you've taken anything away from this podcast, it should be that. Uh, and we can definitely agree. I mean, all those things sound great. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he, uh, he out, outplaces our, our other friends on the Republican party that we, uh, maybe are a little less excited about. I hope so. <laughs> yes. All right. So Anindo, we've made it to the end of the end of the pod. Uh, so usually what I do in this scenario is play a little game. So we've talked a lot of politics and, uh, you know, talked a lot about the recall governor, governor wise, but. I, I want to get your opinion on uh, a broader range of things. <laughs> so uh, that's that's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to play a game. Uh, I believe it's called, uh, what did I? Oh, Democracy Unleashed. <laughs> yes. Uh, so <laughs> the United States has uh, a bunch of different policies and, you know, m- uh, processes for accomplishing uh democracy. And, uh, I think especially in the last year or so people have gotten a lot more familiar with this. Like you learn about it in eighth grade American history, and then you kind of forget. But in the last year, because of all the crazy stuff going on with Donald Trump, uh, you've had to learn a lot about how impeachment works. You've had to learn a lot about, you know, recall elections, how that works, 
um, just all these kind of things that you maybe would have forgotten about otherwise. So I'm going to read you a list of, uh, or one by one, uh, different rules in the United States as it relates to politics. Uh, and you just give me your opinion about them, whether they make sense or not, basically. Does that sound good? Yes. All right. Number one, uh, as you learn in eighth grade, uh, in order to run for president, you have to be at least 35 years of age. And currently, as far as I know, there is no upper limit to, uh, to how old you can be to run for president. So do you think that this still makes sense? This rule, you know, came about when lifespans were very different. So yeah. What do yeah, you think? Honestly, I think that 35 was like pretty old back then, huh? Cause of like the life expectancy. Yes. Yep. Um, it was. So maybe it was like, you made it past thing. Like, okay, you're going to live. Like you're not going to die of like <laughs> malnutrition. Um, I think, I don't think there should be an upper limit, but I do think there should be like a baseline cognitive test. And, uh, and I think they do that for the military and you know, yeah. you're going to be the commander in chief. So I think there should be some kind of standard like that. Got it. So not necessarily an age thing that seems more arbitrary, but yes, a co- some kind of cognitive test that I'm sure there'll be fights over, you know, what, what goes in the test, but I have the best we, brains. <laughs> we all have to take the SAT. So they clearly are okay with something. Yeah. Um, all right. Number two, uh, town hall style debates. So, this is the debate where they stand in the middle of the room walking around and there's like a weird crowd of people that's meant to like simulate a town hall, <laughs> but it's all broadcast. <laughs> Are these good for democracy? <laughs> I, I don't think any simulation is good for democracy. I, I think, yeah, I, as quote, a former, <laughs> yeah, I think as a former high school debater, I'm like opposed to all the, of these debate formats. I think yeah. they're more about like creating memes and <laughs> I don't just think don't, they don't go deep enough. Actually, my yeah. favorite debate format is has been adopted by like the debate community, which is Lincoln Douglas, which models mm. off the Lincoln Douglas debates of the 18 like fifties when Lincoln Whoa. was running for Senator of Illinois and the candidates actually debate for hours and like tens mm. of thousands of people attend and they're just like, it's like a big rap battle essentially <laughs> marathon <laughs> yeah and and they, they cross-examine each other like the first candidate speaks for like an hour and then the second candidate um like rebuts for an hour and a half and then they do cross-examination i mean they were talking about like abolition like the fugitive slave law um u.s involvement in slave trade admission of you know new states into the union so they talked about really deep topics and they're like eight of them mm-hmm. um i don't know if our country has the attention span for that anymore, but I think we should try something out, something like that out, you know? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Return to the roots. I think there's, there's an argument for that for everyone. Um, okay. So town hall debates pretty whack, but maybe Lincoln Douglas think about it. Yes. Congress. I know you're listening. Uh, okay. Number three, paper ballots. Uh, so, you know, not everybody has access to uh, a computer these days. Uh, but a lot of people do, and uh, we're still all voting on uh, on paper ballots. Do you think that makes sense, or is that good for democracy? I think we should save the trees. Uh, I think it's a good for the climate, and we can go digital. You know, we have libraries. We vote. We can vote there. We can vote in schools. There's computers. So uh, yeah, I think we should ditch the paper ballots. We don't have to worry about hanging chads or any sort of chads. So. <laughs> Yes. Do you think that this will actually happen? This is a, a small detour from the game, but <laughs> do you feel like there's a future where we don't use paper ballots? Because I feel like it's going to take a lot. I think it's going to be really tough because you do have the cybersecurity element to it. Yeah. Um, and so you might want to have a paper backup and you can print those records. But yeah, I think it's going to be tough. And honestly, it's it's such a decentralized system that each yeah. state and locality can will have to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, all right. Number four, um, <clears throat> write-in candidates. Do you think this is good for democracy? So as a little stat I put in here, in uh, in the 2016 election, 0.5% of votes were for write-in candidates. This is people who, you know, wrote in, for example, like Bernie Sanders in the 2016 election. I think it's important because people should be able to voice their opinion in the ballot mm-hmm. box. 
Um, I know in like you know software or whatever we call these edge cases, but you know, people aren't edge cases. You don't want to be called that. No. So you should be able to write in Mickey Mouse or Bernie. But I will say yeah. actually um, this is really important in the Trump days. Um, there was an Alaska senator, Lisa Murkowski, and she was a, a moderate Republican, and Trump went against her, and she didn't even win her own party's uh, nomination. And so she actually did a write-in campaign, and she beat back Trump and became reelected. And she was a very pivotal vote in a lot in a lot of um, crucial votes in the Senate. So yeah. I think you know there is a, a, a use case for having a write-in candidate that's beyond um, representation and also about achieving ele electoral outcomes. Yes, totally. Great example. Um, okay, this brings us to our last one: gubernatorial term limits. So this varies by state, but uh, you know, New York, Governor Cuomo, very uh, hot topic right now. But uh, there's no term limit. Uh, you can run as many times as you want in New York. Uh, what do you think about that? Super opposed. I mean, so context: Jerry Brown has served four terms, like twice in like the 70s, 80s, more or less, and then again in the uh, you know late 2000s. But generally, I don't think it's good because you you want to limit power. And I mean, FDR. That's why we had I forgot which amendment. It was one of the the latter ones because he was getting so powerful, almost turning into a dictator. And now you see that with Cuomo who used to be, people were calling him like the New York Times or New York Daily News, they're calling him Pandemic Daddy. Yeah, yeah. You, d you don't want that, you don't want that daddy, man. That Like, no. if you have in terms so long and then they're calling you these kinds of names, that's just like a smell of how much how much power you have. So, no to Pandemic Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and yes to term limits across the board. More standardized, please. Um, okay, great. That was probably not one of our more... Uh, haha -ha fun games but at least we got your opinion on some things outside of gavin newsom who i think a lot of people who know you have already heard you talk about <laughs> yeah i know i'm just this is a complete uh yeah overkill on my part we might we might not even post this podcast you know just like i'll just i'll just like play my recording to other people and make them listen to it Oh, we're gonna post it, baby. But you can, yeah, you can have them. You can refer them to the pod so that uh, I get more listeners. But yes, I am very good at referring people to pods and <laughs> free trials. <laughs> I will do that. Yeah, use coupon code Nindo to uh, ten percent off your first uh, set of ear earphones. That's right. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, we made it, Nindo. Um, Lots of good discussion. So before we go, uh, is there anything outside of, uh, you know, Kevin Faulkner that you want to promote or plug? My couch is open in New York City. <laughs> Hell yeah. I will host you, whoever you are. If you are a listener to the, to the pod, you mm -hmm. are welcome at my humble abode in, in Brooklyn. That's a very generous offer. Nindo sleeps on that couch. Uh, himself sometimes so it's not it's no slouch of a couch and it's uh it's in a good location too so yeah you know reach out unless you pod at gmail.com i'll uh i'll connect you to an endo if you're interested i uh, i won't talk to, if you made it this far i'm not going to talk to you about newsom don't worry <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to talk to you about it <laughs> you've heard enough you've heard enough <laughs> amazing all right that's it for us, Anindo. So yeah, that's it. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Love you, man. Love you too. Thank you so much for listening to Unless You Ask, and thank you so much to our guest Anindo for being on the show. Unless You Ask is produced by Bread People Productions. You can check out all the things that Bread People Productions are working on over at breadpeopleproductions.com. If you'd like to appear as a guest on Unless You Ask, please email me at unlessyapod at gmail.com. That's unlessyapod at gmail.com. This week, instead of rewarding you for making it to the end with my usual nobody asked fun fact about myself, I will just tell you to vote in the september 14th election uh, you can vote early already now and you can register for a mail-in ballot um, i will leave some links in the description to let you do that so go out and vote